right, here we go. Episode three of F the Seat. And uh, first off, I want to apologize for the delay. Yes, <laughs> in, I know. It's, in this uh, episode. Um, I know that I've had people asking me, hey, when's the next episode? You were just telling me earlier, yeah. you had people asking, hey, when's the next episode? It is 100% on me. No, I, no, I will take it's it. On both of us. Um, on both of us. You know, Absolutely. all of this uh all of the celebration for our son graduating from high school. Um and we haven't seen family in so long because of COVID. And this was the first time we actually had a house full of people in well over a year. And uh we had two weekends of celebrations for him. One was all the adults. Um and then the next one we arranged to have all of his cousins come and visit. And, uh, I'm, I love being around people. Mm-hmm. My wife is more of an introvert and just kind of chill. <laughs> so is our daughter. Um, but Michael and I, we love being around people, but that was a lot of peopling <laughs> for, for not having people in quite some time. And, and it's uh, a shock to the system. We here. were exhausted. I'm shock still the system. exhausted. Um, but yeah, yeah. no. But, it wasn't just you, I, you know, June was as busy as it is for you as it was for me um, between my son turning 16 and getting his driver's, getting his driver's license. license. So awesome. Yeah. Except I'm a little nervous, you know, oh, the baby's on the road. I know. He'll be fine. Um, and then just work busy with work. I mean, both yeah. of us had, you know, some extra stuff going on with work too. So travel and, uh, you got a new role. It's always a fire drill, right? Yeah. At work. So, yeah. Fire drill and then new roles, new jobs. So, so it all comes I, together. Yeah. And so I have a question, like it's, it's not related to our podcast, but you know, since we do share a bit about ourselves on our oh, podcast, no. so we're not from Oregon originally, yeah. but so now I've got, you know, our daughter, she's at U of O she's a, yeah. a sophomore there. She'll be going into her junior year next year or this actually this fall. And now our son is going to OSU. Better school, so, of course, you ask I, me. I know you're biased, but um, it's funny because we have lots of friends that are like, oh, no, you know, why is he going to, why isn't he going to be a duck? And I'm like, well, he's going to be an engineer. They're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and totally. then we've, I've had so many engineers say, why is she, why is your daughter going to, you know, to um, University of Oregon and not OSU? I'm like, because she's a history major. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But so we have stickers, you know, on our car, like, you know, OS or um, duck mom and so forth. But I, I guess now I understand we have to get like a house divided flag or house yes. divided sticker or something like that. Plate sticker and a house divided um the license plate covers, you know, the the ones that go around there's like and see half is Oregon State, half is U of O. And I'm cool with that because it just means one sticker I have to put on the car, right? Show my support. Right. <laughs> or one, one flag I have to hang up. Yep, just that's so. it. That's it. It's I'm down with that. Gotta show my support, even though of course I went to California schools. Um, but you know, we don't advertise that in Oregon because they don't like Californians. Yeah. So shh. I know. Okay. Alrighty. So <laughs> let's jump in here. So um let's just recap. So la- our last episode was about microaggressions. And I don't know about you, but um I did get a couple comments and uh uh-huh. questions from people. And then also there was a uh an interesting post on your LinkedIn yes. profile with the share um, of it. So I just wanted to kind of talk through that real quick. Um, yeah, absolutely. I had always... a couple, had a couple of people reach out to me as well and, and kind of dig into it um, 
you know, and, and someone that I have known for many years and he's like, so when I've asked you that question before, was that considered a microaggression? I'm like, no, it's about the context. It is. It. And that's a key thing. It's about context <sighs> and, because, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say it's, it's the context. It's, it's, it's not that you're being malicious because you're asking a question. It's, you know, how are you asking that and how's it coming about? How's the conversation being guided and, and being driven? That's that it could be seen at that point as a microaggression. Right. Like, um, for, like, for example, my mom had said, she's like, Hey, I, I'm concerned by something that Marcia said, because she made the comment um, that a microaggression could be like, if someone says, Oh, wow, you articulated that so well. And my mom, I, knowing her, like she would genuinely be like, Hey, wow, I could not have said that better. You know, you did a great job there. And yeah. I told her, I said, yeah, mom. And I totally understand what you're saying. It is context. And we should have, we should have said that. And I said, it's yeah. different. Cause you know, my mom, my mom is white. Um, right. you know, cause I'm, I'm a mutt, I'm a mix of, aren't um, we all mixed? Yeah, stuff? exactly. And so my mom hasn't experienced anything like that before other than, you know, it could be gender related. Right. Right. But I did, I tried to explain to her how there are these biases with people of color and that, you know, how they speak or the way they speak. And so context and tone has a lot to do with that delivery. And so we just want to really make sure that people understand that context matters. Um, and, and that leads me into the comment that that one yes. who had posted um, in regards her, her concern was saying, because we re- made a reference and I think it was mine. I, it could have been yours. I, I, remember, I think but- I went back and I listened. I believe it was mine about when I was working in brewing and I walked in and being the, the young Latina manager, having to manage a team of brewers who were old enough to be my parents, old enough to be my grandparents. And I think she took that as me being a microaggression, me having, yeah, having a microaggression. And, and, and that wasn't the case. It was really to, it was the context of setting how I felt and what the environment around me looked like to me as I walked in. It had right. nothing to do with me not respecting their knowledge, respecting their experience, respecting who they were, but it was me walking in and being like, oh shit, this is going to be different. This yeah. is going to be a challenge, right? How, how do I navigate through this? Because college doesn't prepare you for that. And right. when you're coming straight out of school, how do you prepare, right? How do you, how do you know how to interact in situations like that? And you don't, you end up having to learn it. And, and I thought it was maybe my comment because I had mentioned to you, like how I had often been a young manager and, and managed men that were old enough to be my father or grandfather as well. And so yeah. what, you know, I did, of, of course, of course I responded to her. I know. <laughs> because I am, I'm because, a terrible responder. Because I will tell you that. That's just how I roll. Um, <laughs> but uh, I responded politely and professionally and tried to explain that it, it was not meant to be, it's, it's not a microaggression because it was actually explaining the context of a situation and it wasn't making a remark derogatory about their age. Actually, it was referencing how our age was often used against us because we were so much younger and we were in management positions. And, um, and I invited her to, you know, I had said, Hey, did you just want to kind of poke and say, I'm not happy with this? Um, or do you want to actually have a meaningful discussion about ageism? Because 
Um, totally different you know, topic. I mean, yeah, to, which is totally different. And also microaggressions around ageism because it's yeah. incredibly important. And we even had referenced that in, a, in, I can't remember which episode it was, but how we have to be careful what we say because now we're in a position where we're older women and we don't want to say, oh, well, you're young, you wouldn't remember that or you don't know that. That's a microaggression. That's not healthy. And we have to catch ourselves. And it's important for us to point out that when we talk about things on our podcast, we know that some of the things we talk about are going to trigger people and that's, and, and some, and we get triggered, right? It's just going to happen. That's the whole point. Right. But also part of us doing this is to help confront our own biases, right. And talk about them because we're not perfect and it goes both ways. So, um, so I invite her, if she's listening to this podcast to please reach out if she does want to be a guest on the show. And we can talk about ageism because I think that would be highly relevant and a really engaging discussion. I um, agree as well. And yeah. I think that, again, like you said before, I am not an expert. I am still learning in this journey. I don't believe anybody out there is an expert on, on diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. We're all learning this path together because it's so complex. Yeah. It is, there's so many valleys and pitfalls that we can go into and um but it all comes back to what was the what's the intent what's the purpose behind the discussions and and the conversations that we're having and and making sure that you know it's all done in in a matter of respect and uh and care for the person yeah absolutely it's about being able to have discussions that matter that help us get closer to not having to have discussions about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because it just happens, right? People understand. And, and also encouraging people who, if they have questions and they're maybe afraid or embarrassed to ask, um, to not, to not feel that way and understand it's just all about how you frame it, not be afraid to, uh, engage in a, in a discussion that can actually bring some common ground. That's, that's yeah. the goal. Um, yeah. no, the, absolutely. the other thing I wanted to bring up too, is my wife had, you know, she loves all the topics, you know, she loves our topic in general. And both her and my mom had said it would be great if we could provide like more resources for people. And, you know, we only have roughly about 50 minutes that we typically do our podcast in. I know we talk about a lot of different things, but um, it would be great for us to be able to provide you know, some tip sheets or extra resources. And, and we will start doing that on our website as well as um, we'll link it on our LinkedIn page. Yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll keep people posted on that. Um, so we can try to provide more resources. We're just going to put June in a little bucket of it was insanity. Um, yeah. And now we're back on you know, track. We're, we're committed to doing better and, and being about uh, getting those resources back to people. Cause I agree. I think it's, yeah. it's valuable, right? We can't just drop things off and run the other direction. Yeah, I know. We leave people hanging, but can't leave them hanging, dear. No, I know. So we'll be better. We promise. We'll be better. Um, all right. So today's topic, uh, we wanted to talk about authentic self and, you know, what, you. Yeah, what it means to bring your authentic self to work. Um, there's, I love this topic. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, and I think it, it, it's not just a people of color or a, you know, um, a lesbian, bisexual, queer, transgendered issue. Um, it's just, it's a, a people problem. It's a people issue, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, and 
there's so, no gender there's no ethnicity it's just yeah people like right. and it could be you know anyone who i mean if you think about it people who might personalities to, yep personalities there's you know you have different disabilities you have mental issues you have all these different things that can play into that and how how difficult it can be to be yourself at work the true you and how that also can create a lot of stress people don't realize that but um for you like what does it mean to you to be your authentic self at work so this this topic actually um kind of hits close to home recently um I've had a lot of discussions about this in, in my current role. Um, just because at times uh, we, because we all work remotely, we're not able to get to know who people really they are and what their intents are behind things. Right. And we make a lot of assumptions, right? And unfortunately, I've been blessed, or actually fortunately, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I've been blessed with the look of RBF, of you know, the resting bitch face syndrome, right? Um, which I hate that term yeah. anyway. And you hate but, it when someone's like, oh, why don't you smile more? It's like, yeah, oh. I'm like, <laughs> my wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes it can come across as being very direct and to the point, but yeah. it's not coming from a place of of ill will right or of trying to be hurtful um you're just being you i'm being you right being me but is that okay it should be it should be right and that's why it's been such an interesting i would say this last this last couple weeks has been interesting because i've really been struggling on how much of my real self can i bring Mm -hmm. how much do i need to tone back and then how much do i need to adjust and I think that just come, I think that is that I'm not having to mask who my authentic self is, but I have, it's learning, not learning, but being better about adjusting how much I give. Well, and being more comfortable with it too, right? Like you can't dial it back so much that you just, you don't feel like you, right? Well, you feel like you're playing, you're playing a role because then that like creates so much extra stress of, and I never want to be in that role again. Yeah. It's like, did I say too much or, oh my yeah. God, did I say that the right way? Or did I, you know, I don't want to work, walk on eggshells. Right? Yeah. That's pretty much what ends up happening. Right. And that makes it very distracting to be able to do your day to day and feel good about what you're doing because you're constantly walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things that I've, I've sort of come to a ha moment or whatever you want to call it, come to this idea of it's I almost need to preface a little bit of so this is sort of my style this is who I am please don't yeah. take it in a way of of being you know negative or that I'm questioning authority or anything like that it's I'm curious for my natural as my personality is I'm a curious person so I'm going to ask a lot of why well why this or why that and in addition sometimes my role is to be the person that pushes back Mm-hmm. But it's not because it's who I am. It's because that's the role that I've been given to do. Right. And that's a challenge in itself though. Like that's a problem in itself of like having to preface who you are like to almost, it's almost in a way, like 
I'm going to tell you this to soften the blow of who I am, which, which is like, there it shouldn't be that problem. Right. And so, I mean, if, if, if you look at it from a logical standpoint, it's like, Hey, I'm a, you know, strong, independent woman. I don't like a lot of flowery stuff. I'm pretty much like, Hey, let's just get some stuff done. That's all you're aggressive. Yeah, exactly. It's come, it comes across as that way. And it's like, if I'm not softening it and typically like my challenges, I've had more challenges with men with that. Yeah. And so I've had it both. Um, both. Yeah, I've had it both, but uh, and I can't say that it's more men than women have the problem. I'm just saying probably because in my world, I've worked in mostly male-dominated industries to begin with. So mm-hmm. that's part of it. But we shouldn't have to soften who we are. That's not that's not allowing us to truly be our authentic talk- self, right? And is that the gender disparity, right? Between a male and a female, right? Is it, well, but if, if, if a man were, were to come in and say the same things the same way, yeah, would that be considered being aggressive? And I know you and I've had this conversation in the past yeah, where have. it's come up and it's like, if had I been a man and I had said the same thing, would it have been aggressive? Right. Right. And then it becomes, well, probably not because we've heard it before and nobody's gone back and said, you know what, that was a little aggressive back yeah you need to tone it down tone it down (laughs) down. you know don't get so you know don't get so emotional about it well yeah damn it I am gonna get emotional about it because I'm tired right you get tired of it and yeah you get tired of it and it's like we're always it's kind of like and I think that those are things that are um cultural barriers to people being able whether regardless of gender being able to bring their authentic selves to work right because if you work for a company where they, they really make it safe for people to like, just be direct and not take things so personally and like really kind of reinforce, Hey, don't take it so personally, like ask questions. If you are unsure of the tone or you're unsure of, um, what that person might mean. Right. So like, don't assume that they're mad or don't assume that they're trying to be aggressive or don't assume these things, but actually just ask questions and be like, okay, wait a minute are we okay? Are you upset by this? And then that allows you space to say, no, sorry, I'm just excited about this. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. And I'm a driver and I just want to get this stuff done. And it allows, again, it's all about that communication, right? So you have to work in a cultural environment that allows people to be their authentic selves, because um, unless you address that culture, you're never going to, people are never going to be able to begin to feel comfortable of, you know, bringing part of themselves or all of themselves. And, and I think it's incredibly important for especially leaders to be able to bring their authentic self to work because, you know, yeah. And people want to work for people that they know a little bit about and that they can start to build trust with, right. And mutual respect with. And so I know some people don't really feel like that. And I'm saying this based on articles that I've read and studies that are out there. Some people don't feel you should bring your authentic self to work or they feel like, excuse me, they feel like you should dial it back how much you bring. But for people like me, that's not who I am. Yeah. I have a hard time dialing back. Yeah. Like I, my wife always says, oh my God. Like sometimes she'll say, don't make eye contact because that person's going to talk to you. (laughs) And I laugh because I'm that like, person's going to cry. Yeah. And, and she's like, they're going to talk to you. I'm like, so what's wrong with that? Cause I will literally chat someone up in the supermarket. 
you know, and like we've had, we've had conversations. Yeah, you're way about too that. extroverted for me. I am. I know. Dude, I'm I totally... would like, I would be running the other direction. I'd be sitting there with Kathy and I'm like, go ahead. I know you'd, you and Kathy would be like, you'd I'm be good. at the bar having a glass of wine and I'd be like making a whole bunch of new friends, but I don't mind like having conversations with strangers and, and I actually learn something new every time I do it. And it's like, it, I don't always want to talk to everybody. Right. But I mean, um, but for some reason, if I make eye contact with someone, if someone says hi to me, I'm not going to be rude. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? And I generally give a crap about how they're doing, you know? So, and I've had some really cool conversations in literally not just work, but all over the places that I've traveled, like all over the globe. And it's been, it's been pretty awesome. And for me, I feel like that's enriched my life, but you know, as a leader, like I try to be fully transparent with the people that report into me and. Oh, a hundred percent. Like my team knows you yeah. will always have transparency. Cause I, I don't, I don't function well when there's not transparency. So how could I expect my team not to, to like be okay with me not being transparent. Right. Right. And if, and, if you're working with them and right. you're being open, then what happens is then it, there's not that mistake of, oh, that's too aggressive. Then they're like, oh no, I've gotten to know Marcia and this is her style and I love it. Or I've gotten to know Marcia and I don't like that part of the style, but you guys have had a conversation about it, you know, because, because that's part of being a leader too, right? We have to understand like what works for each person that, that reports into us because not everybody responds the same way. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, it's, and there's a delicate line between oversharing, right? Well, there's a delicate line between oversharing and there's a delicate line, I think, as to, and I think you have a quote, right? But defining what does professional mean, right? And then you have, and then you have, not only you add that, when you're working with folks from different cultures and different countries, there's what's appropriate to share in terms of what's not appropriate. I remember when I started at Partner Hero, for example, it was, everybody in Honduras was sharing their age. And I was like, mm, yeah, we don't talk about our age when we're doing introductions. Hi, I'm 28. No, we don't, we don't want to know. Like la, yeah. la, 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 put headphones or earmuffs Because on, of right? the bias, right? That comes in right. with it. Yeah. Right. So we try but to- But it be, shouldn't be taboo. Right. It shouldn't be taboo, but that's, and that's maybe my HR side of things telling me not to listen. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, um, totally lost my train of thought now. Oh, it's all good. It's no, I told, so it's, if we talk about say the oversharing part, like there's a fine line of what, how much you share and how much you don't share, you know? So for me, one of the battles that I've always had was do I live my authentic self, my life, who I am, who my family is at work, or do I hide it? And, um, meaning that I am a gay woman. I have a wife I have two kids, you know, um, we're married and I have lost my job because I was gay. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I have, you know, throughout my, my, and I've been denied jobs because they found out that I was gay. So for me, that's always been a struggle for me in terms of like my authenticity. I don't have a problem chatting people up. Right. Yeah. But I like the fear of revealing too much about who you really are. Right. And I love talking about my family because I love my family. I love spending time with them. We, we are very, very family oriented and that's a cultural side of us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because we are Latino, we have, I mean, look, my family, I've got Filipino, my stepdad's side, Mexican, Portuguese, French, Irish, Italian, like 
all of us, we all are huge. It's those, all those cultures. It's just so hugely centered around family. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and food and, (laughs) and drink. So, (laughs) yeah, but, um, so yeah, so for me, it's like, I want to be able to, to talk about that. And so I've often had to temper that, or I've had to wait until I was there for a bit and then, and then bring it up and then watch every time, watch the reaction, watch the body stiffen, watch, watch the different things that occur. And, um, and I tried to, when they finally made it legal where, you know, states couldn't fire you. Um, I don't often talk about it. I don't even really talk about it to my family, but I responded and I, I wrote a little thing on my Facebook and of course all my family read it. And a lot of them were completely shocked, but I basically was saying how I have in my career been, you know, lost jobs because of being gay. When we were relocating from California because the job market's just really tough in Southern California and everything's so expensive. And, you know, we had two kids, couldn't share a room anymore together. We need to be able to afford a bigger house. And I explained to people at that time, we only had five states that we could move to where I wouldn't lose my job for being gay, or we wouldn't have the state try to take our kids away from us because we were a gay family, even though my wife is the biological mom. You know what I mean? Because states have done that. And, and I said, and, you know, so really we had the choice between a couple states on the East coast and then we had California, Oregon, and Washington. So that, that pretty much dictated like where I looked for work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my family had no idea. And I said, yeah, you don't get it. Like it's, I know you look at us and you're like, oh, it's just normal, you know, family right. and everything. They don't get the, the behind the but scenes. They don't get the behind the, the scenes. Deal with. Yeah. Right. And then also like when we both worked for the same company and I remember, and I was over traveling for business in Europe and I mentioned my wife a couple times and I saw the guys like you saw them, like they weren't quite sure. Cause of course, English is not their first language. If I said wife <laughs> and when they realized that I said wife, um, I was kind of cringing a bit because I was like, Oh, this is going to go either really well or terribly bad. And, mm-hmm. um, and it actually opened up a conversation because both of these guys, which I absolutely love, they still work for our other, for the company we used to work for. Um, they just started asking questions. Like, can we ask you some questions? I'm like, absolutely. You can ask me whatever you want. Yeah. And it was a wonderful conversation. And like, and you know, so one of them is Rolf and one of them is Hubert. If they're, if they ever listen to the podcast, they'll, they'll know who they are. <laughs> and, um, but I still like, you know, I don't really chat with Rolf as much because, you know, the time zone and, and, and he's every now and then he'll, he'll send me a message on LinkedIn, but Hubert will send me a message and him and I used to text back and forth all the time after um, I had traveled over there. So that was a, that was a positive experience out of it, but I haven't always had that positive experience. So, yeah. so for people who decide to live, be out at work, um, depending on the industry that you work in, depending on the work environment that you have, or sometimes even depending on the department or who your boss is and their cultural values, their religious views and values, right. Could really impact that and really, you know, impact whether or not you decide to share. Um, I don't typically let religion stop me from sharing because I come from a family of Catholics, Lutherans. I mean, I have like, yeah, a bunch of different faiths in our family. And I've got some that are like very, very strict on what they think. But then I have some evangelical relatives that are like, they couldn't be happier that Kathy and I are married. So 
um i don't ever let religion stop me because i think right. that it shouldn't be weaponized and religion is a beautiful thing so um but yeah those all those types of things right can stop people from wanting to share um but you brought up the, the quote that i had told you about regarding yeah, was, yeah. Go ahead. I'll, I'll read it um regarding how some people may not want to share for other reasons and this is a race more related reason so for years professionalism has been a synonym for whiteness especially given that dreadlocks and other natural black hairstyles the use of spanglish chicano english or african-american vernacular english and many other non-white cultural signifiers are routinely flagged as inappropriate in the workplace. This was from an article, um, I believe it was from a Forbes article. And I'll reference these articles too when we put some stuff on the website so people can read them. But um, I think you had something to say about that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've um, talked to a couple of friends that I have and, and some of their experiences they've had with having to choose what hairstyle they were to work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, obviously you can see what my hair looks like. Everybody else can't really see what my hair looks like. My hair is naturally curly. I typically straighten it or now that it's growing out, pull it back. But, you know, I've never necessarily sat here and thought, oh crap, I can't put my hair in a certain style because people won't think I'm looking professional. Right. Um, and I've talked, you know, I've had friends of mine who have mentioned, I mean, now not as much, but probably a couple of years ago, it was really something that they had to consider. And it never like dawned on me that my friends who are, who are, who are black are like saying like, I can't put all the braids in. I, I can't, you know, have the dreadlocks. I can't have my fro the way I want my fro and having to make their hairstyles more acceptable it just to me it was like and it, it just shocks me right that you yeah. have to think to that level and, and it was just things like I mean that's just one example for me it was um you know I I don't look at it as a cultural thing or anything like that but you know I would dress differently for work compared to everybody else at work and be like oh well why do you dress like that is it because of your culture is it because you're latina and i'm like because i choose to wear heels to work makes i'm like what is that <laughs> what does that have to do with one or the other it's because i enjoy dressing a certain way it has nothing to do with my culture it's just the way i grew up in my what i believe i want to look like when i go to work now you choose what you want to look like when you go to work i'm not going to question you on that but this is how I like to look. It has nothing to do with my culture. And sometimes I think people have a hard time separating identity of, you know, being able to be yourself and being able to wear the pink heels to go to work, right? Or and that's know, the key. They were pink. If they well, were any other you know color, what? then you wouldn't have got the Probably. Latina comment, Probably. right? Probably. Because seriously, like if you had worn black heels, I mean, come on, seriously, let's confront the bias that people have, right? Because I'm sorry, we're colorful people. <laughs> we're colorful people. Now what, mind you, I, I don't wear heels. Cause I'm like, if I had my choice, I'd live in flip-flops. Um, <laughs> but, 
but I do have some crazy colored shoes, you know, that are fun ones, not work shoes. They're all the typical because I fit in right. The preppy classical loafers or, yeah. you know, my other fun shoes, wingtips, whatever, but it's yeah. But I mean, you wouldn't have got that if it hadn't been for the this color choices. Maybe and, I should have specified the color just now, but yes, they were, they were bright pink but shoes. No, no, it's a completely valid point that you were saying is like, why did they, they, they only said that because of probably of the color of the shoe. I think if you had worn navy blue or beige I mean, or, yeah. I mean, you know, I'd worn, like I wear boring colors, right? And <laughs> the one time I was like, oh, well, there must be a cultural thing. I'm like, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's just because I enjoy colors on my shoes. I mean, I enjoy dressing up, going to work and, you know, but that's something that I don't have to, you don't have to think about as much and right. And, and I, and it just like, when, you know, you have that and then I'm talking with the friends that have to change and think about their hairstyles. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, that's totally different. Right. And it is very different. Cause it's part of you. It's part of you. It's right? part I of you. And people don't get that. I can change my shoes. I can go put on a pair of flats. I could go put on a pair of black heels yep. if you wanted me to. You can change the color of those shoes, but. But I can't change my hair, uh -uh. right? And I that's. Can't, can't change the color of my skin. Nope. And that's what's so important that people need to understand and have some empathy for. Not sympathy. That's very different, but empathy <laughs> and understanding that um, for people to be able to wear their hair naturally yep. is part of being, being able to be their authentic self at work and in our communities. And it so, yeah. right. It doesn't matter where they are. And so it's one of those things that it literally pisses me off when I hear people try to say, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I mean, we always tell guys they need to cut their hair short. It's like, no, it is a big deal when you're used to dealing with Caucasian hair right? Yeah. And it's, it's very different than, you know, hair and even clothes are pretty expressive. I can understand like companies having a dress code, but companies that have a code on how you can wear your hair, unless you're the military. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Unless it's and, the military and, and, and or military, there's a safety reason. I was going to say sanitary reasons. Yeah. Safe, like sanitary, have have safety, like military. cap or something like that. Totally. Yeah. Good. Or, and but not necessarily military, but, but even like, you know, like first responders, whatever, like in that realm, depending on your job, if it's a if, if it's a safety requirement, right. then that's one thing, right. but or like I, was talking, I was talking to this other guy, he was like, you know, I had to shave my beard because I have to, you know, be able to be prepared to wear a gas mask if I had to. Yeah. That's totally understandable, right? Yes. Yep. You love your beard, but you got to shave it's unfortunately. Different. So you can stay safe. Yeah. Right. That's my dad. He, so my dad, my dad drives, which we all hate because it's super dangerous, but he drives a fuel truck mm. and he just does like local delivery, but he has to be completely clean shaven, but it's not like for him, it's not a cultural identity thing. Right? right. And like, if I had to cut my hair for my job because it was a safety or whatever thing, I would do that. But if someone told me I can't wear my hair a particular way because, um, it's not professional, they try to hide behind that veil of professionalism or, because um, I'd love for somebody to define the word professional. Yeah. I mean, professionalism it, it's, and you, you got to think about it. It's kind of like blurred now, right? Because you have lots of men who have long hair and they just wear them in ponytails yep. or what have you um, tattoos for years. Like, you know, I remember when I worked at one company, 
you couldn't have any tattoos. And then lots of, lots of companies are still that way. Yeah. And then when it got, uh, when they had new owners, it changed very quickly. It was, it was so interesting how it changed. And you just started to see tattoos popping up everywhere. It was, uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's like, if you're going to talk to CEO level people, then you shouldn't have any tattoos. No pink hair. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't go, you know, with creative agencies, you could pretty much yeah. do a lot of stuff. industry. Yeah. It's sure. an industry kind of thing, um, which I spent many years in, but I still never, you know, never have any visible tattoos. So, yeah. and I still have always followed that because. Well, that's because my parents like scared the shit out of me when I was young. Oh no. My mom. I, was, I wasn't allowed to have any, like my dad, my dad literally did not know I had a tattoo on my wrist until like I already had it for like three or four years. And I was like already in my late thirties when I got this little tiny tattoo you, wrist. You couldn't even be your authentic self at I home. Couldn't even be, no, <laughs> I had it covered up with a watch because I lived in. <laughs> and then I finally was like, what am I doing? Uh, and so he's like, you got a tattoo. I was like, oh yeah, I got it like three years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, so that brings up a good point, right. On like you're trying to conform to family values, right. Mm -hmm. And not have a tattoo or not show a tattoo where as people at work, they do the same thing. They try to conform or fit in. Right. And so that will hinder them from being their authentic self. And they, they also, um, like I remember at one company that I worked for where they couldn't really be their authentic self because the company had a culture of if you weren't a yes man or yes woman or person, um, that you were considered a troublemaker, right? That you were, even if you had an idea that was like outside the norm of what leadership wanted, then that wasn't, that wasn't going to bode well for you within the organization. And so that, that hindered, and this is where it kind of brings in when we talk about how not being able to be your authentic self can actually hinder a company's growth, can hinder a company's ability to be as productive as they possibly could, um, to be as innovative as they possibly could. And I still say, you know, my, my theory, correct me if I'm wrong, it still, it comes down to that culture. You know, the company has to build a safe, inclusive culture. It's culture. And I would add values. Yeah. So not only do you have to create that culture, but it has to be a value that's instilled within the organization at all levels, within all pieces of the organization, with on all process, with all policy, all that pieces had to have to be in there. Um, You know, I was reading an article on on Harvard business review around as we were getting ready for our, our podcast today. It's called How Much of Your Authentic Self Should Because you, you didn't have your door? bulleted list ready like I had my bulleted list ready. No, I'm not as I'm not as organized as you are for our podcast. <laughs> I am definitely more of like off the cuff. Here's what I want to talk about. You do know that um, I did this bulleted list like in between my meetings today. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just let me feel really bad about it. No, I can't do that. That's not my authentic <laughs> self. I, I care. <laughs> you got to be transparent. <laughs> <laughs> But give you a hard time. But you know, it was the very last paragraph of the article. It was, you know, really, and and this is where it kind of related back to what I've been feeling the last couple of weeks. It's um, 
being able to make that space for those connections to happen, for allowing me to be my authentic self, because I was starting to get really burned out. I was starting to get really overwhelmed, really anxious and, and not, and having a lot of levels of fear of not being able to be my authentic self. Right. And, and now it's now I've started to feel like, okay, I, I need to create these connections with people. I need to be better about creating them. And, and maybe what I've done before doesn't always work. Maybe I need to adjust and really kind of take a deeper look inside myself as to how do I make sure that I'm able to help the community around me mm -hmm. understand who I am and allow people to see me be a little bit more vulnerable and allow people to see a little bit more of me behind the scenes so that they yeah. know where I'm coming from and they, that they know who I am and that they can get to know, you know, they're not going to know every detail of my life. They're not going to know every detail of, you know, where I've been and what I've been through or what I've done until I let them know. Right. Right. And so you're comfortable. Right. Until I'm comfortable sharing that. And how much do I share and what is that sharing you know, how much do I share? And at what time, at what point do we say, how do we share enough? I kind of like this quote in a smart and sustainable way. It's yeah. so a way that, right, that it's, it works for all of us for me to share and for me to be that uh, my authentic self and not feel like I'm consistently conflicted. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, it was, it's, you know, definitely an interesting read and Again, we'll have to post that article. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, I hear what you're saying because I think back to when you and I first met and we talked about this before, but there was a guardedness there. Right. right. And, and I sensed it. And part of it was because we both had come from cultures where it was like, so dog eat dog. Right. Yeah. And, and I really think like, if I hadn't like, you're, you're much more introverted than I am. But if I hadn't kept bugging you, we probably wouldn't have been become such we good friends. We wouldn't be sitting here talking today, yeah, right? We probably wouldn't have become such good friends. Because I was like, when I, because when I remember when I met you, when we worked at a couple companies ago, <laughs> everyone who, everyone who listens to this show knows exactly which company we're talking say, about. Yeah. It is um, not that hard to figure it's out. It's not that hard to figure out. Well, plus the people that we worked with, they list, <laughs> some of them listen to the podcast. But anyway, um, I remember thinking, Oh my God, she's so smart. I totally want to collaborate with her. Yeah. And I know like part of you is like, who the hell is this person? And is she trying to take my job? It's like, I already had a different job. I don't want your job. <laughs> and, that's and my guarded self. That's See? your guarded self. Exactly. And I think once you realize that, then you were like, oh crap, I got to do this. I'm going to like totally meet with Tina and we're going <laughs> to put our heads together and we're going to build out like this change management oh. stuff. And, and so I think it was like, you finally realized that I wasn't a threat, right? That I was like, and I, and I didn't look at you as a threat either. I was just like, she's so smart. And I told, I, I just, I looked at it as like, here's someone that I can totally collaborate with. And we could talk about things that we like doing for hours <laughs> and we could have happy hour even better. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was your guarded self. Right. Yeah. And, um, and you, because that's what we've, I've learned to be. Yeah. That's how you've learned to be. And those are the environments that we've worked in. Yep. And 
for me too, like I was still a little guarded because, you know, there's certain people at that company that we worked with that I did not create that same level of relationship right. with because I kind of felt in my gut, I can't really trust that person or I can't really be me with that person right. because if I were to be me with that person, they might try to use that against me. Yeah. And so that's the that's the battle that people face. I don't think that's, it's definitely not unique to our situation. I think it's like people, millions of people face this every day at work. And um, so I think it would be helpful. Like if we kind of think about like, what are some ways that companies can like foster an environment? I mean, we have to do the personal work to feel comfortable, right. To, to, to be authentic at work. To I, be, I don't think it's hundred percent a company's responsibility to, not, to make that happen. Right. Right. It, but we it have comes, to, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, you go. Yeah, you go first. No, you go. <laughs> That's such a Portland way. No, you go. No, you go. <laughs> what I was going to say is that it, people in general, we have to be comfortable. Right. But we have to be in an environment that creates safety for us to be that way. That's the key part, right? Yeah. Is that in creating the environment for you to be your, your authentic self, right? So how, what can we, what can we like leave our listeners with and like talking about like what, co- what companies can do to try to foster that? You know, we recently did an exercise where we said, what are we willing, what do we like about who we are as a company versus what don't we like? Mm-hmm. And went through the exercise and realized, okay, we really like people to be their authentic self right? We really want to see the real you. Perfect. All right. So now we've established that baseline of that's what we want. Now, if that's what we want, how are we going to create that with the different, as we evolve, as we grow as an organization, how are we going to create a system, an environment for people to really continue to feel how they are? And so I would say the first step is to really get down and do an exercise as to if that's truly what you want to do, how are you going to go internally and assess what you currently have to allow your group or your team to have that safe work environment where they can be their authentic self? So take a looking at you know, your policies. Are they allowing people to be your authentic self? Holiday policies is on my head uh, for this week. And you know, so many you're a global company. Yeah, so many companies, right? follow sort of the U.S. type or the standard holidays, right? right? Well, if we really want to value what people believe and what they honor and what they they tie back to from a cultural standpoint, from a religious standpoint, why, why do we cont- continuously have holiday policies that are holding people to Thanksgiving Day, Christmas? Yeah, New to Christian Year's. holidays. Why, why do we do that when we know right? This goes back to being your authentic self. If I want to go and celebrate Kwanzaa, yeah. how come I don't have the ability to take those days? Or what about like Rosh Hashanah? Or, or Rosh Hanukkah, Hanukkah. Or Hanukkah? All yeah. those, right? Chinese holiday. What? Yep. Lunar, Chinese, Chinese New, Year. New Year, right? Yep. Um, They're all key and pivotal and very, very important dates and or days for people. And if you're Buddhist, right. there's special days for Buddhism. And right. um, so that goes to be, can I be my authentic self? Or do I live in fear of saying, hey, you know what? This holiday doesn't apply to me. Can I have a different holiday? Or or do we create a system of holidays, policies that allow for that flexibility for allowing people to have floating holidays, to use them as they would like to 
yeah. in whatever situation they want to use them for, right? And not not all companies even give you base holidays, right? Because some states right. don't require it now. So right. that's a challenge too. But I think like allowing some level of flex time right. for people to use that time as needed, yeah. you know, for whatever it might be. Right. But I think it's really kind of doing a deep dive into your current policies, your current systems, your current process, your performance management system, right? Mm-hmm. Are you having people rate themselves? We already know women and um, and women in different races and different cultures and rate ourselves right? lower. Rate ourselves lower. Why yeah. the hell do you have a performance management system that's asking people to rate themselves? We know it's going to rate themselves lower. Yeah. Right. And and those are the systems that hold us back from again being. Yeah are and being our authentic self because Why we do cannot do express yeah. who we are because we feel bad right we feel bad oh I'm amazing not really I don't want to rock the boat well yeah, yeah. well and people don't want to say I feel like I'm doing a great job here for fear of them thinking that you don't think you have an up op- you still don't have an opportunity for growth right there's it's so many reasons why there's so many of those assessments that are ridiculous like right. don't even get me started on stuff like nine box and all the other garbage sorry right. So, but but that ties back to, am I able to be my authentic self and be able to provide you candid feedback about where I think I am in my journey as an employee at this company, or are you going to make me follow this process that doesn't allow me to be able to be able to share who I am and where I am in this journey? Yeah. And you made a really important point earlier when we were talking and you were saying how it really starts with, it starts with managers and leaders, right? Leadership. Because if you think about it, like people who are in leadership positions, they can be a huge barrier to their teams being able to be their authentic selves because of their, their own. They create the environment. Yeah. Their own, well, and their own insecurities, right. And they might even be feeling a little bit of like imposter syndrome or whatever might have, might be going on with them that, that then holds people back from being able to be truly who they are because they don't want to like upset their boss. You know, like it, I mean, for, I had an instance with, I mean, you know, this at a previous company where I asked a question, (laughs) I just asked a question and I was labeled as being aggressive with my conversation. I was like, um, I didn't raise my voice. I didn't, uh, use any foul language. I simply asked a why, which is like part of the five whys. Right. (laughs) And I'm now labeled as aggressive mainly because like that person didn't want to have to answer the question. Right. Or that person was not comfortable with women being incredibly direct instead of just women saying, okay. And turning and walking away. Yeah. Right. And so that right there was a barrier. I like couldn't be my authentic self in that situation. I still carried through. I wasn't my authentic self in the sense where I wanted to say some choice words. And, you know, in my mind, you know, you have those minds where you're like, I'm going to flip the table over and you know walk out. But it was like, I, you know, of course I held my shit together, but I was just like, really like I'm sitting here, I'm trying to have a calm conversation, but that's not possible. And yeah. so, um, it, those situations do arise. And so you're absolutely 100% right where 
it has to start with management with management and leadership and those types of training. And there's, you know, if, if I could offer a solution or an, an option for companies too, is like they have, there's lots of companies. I mean, even we've done workshops on vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? When you do leadership training, one of the key components is like, how do you get your leaders to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable yeah. and that it's okay to open up. And that's all part of being authentic. And that can move mountains with your teams. So um, I think that companies should be investing in more types of, you know, we always, of course, advocate like diversity, equity, inclusion workshops, but emotional intelligence. Yeah. But yeah, they have to understand what EQ is and why it's important. And, but it's, I, I hate looking at like DEI as a silo. I just think like, this is a component of, Hey, you're doing a workshop on vulnerability. This checks all the buckets that you guys want to check when it comes to yeah. leadership development, when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, you know, when it comes to leadership skills, management skills, active listening, all these different types of things. And, um, and I think also companies, when they do a mentorship or a sponsorship program, when it works well, yeah, when it works properly, I know you're laughing because we all know how it can not work well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but um, those are ways, right? They have to be committed to it. Just like any initiative that they take on, they have to be committed to it. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately they have to just create an environment that's very respectful. Yeah. And I think, I think the other piece is companies have to be not just people, but the company itself, the organization has to be adapt, adaptable and willing to change. What, hap- what worked five years ago, what worked 10 years ago is not the same place where we are today. Yeah. A lot has changed. There's expectations from generations that are coming in now that are driving a lot of these changes, right? And a lot of these expectations. And I think yeah. um, it's being willing to listen and not just listen, but truly listen as to what is it that's causing people to feel like they can't be their authentic self. Right. And, 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 and I don't want anyone to think that you get, you're able to go and, and yell whatever you want to yell and, um, you know, say whatever you want to say, you got to still be able to do it, but in a manner that's, that's respectful, mm-hmm. a manner that is, you know, you're not trying to create malintent or anything like that. Right. It's, not malicious right and it's it's knowing that i think it's it's having companies understand that they also need to listen and that goes back to why we're even doing this podcast right it's having that seat in the room not at the table right we want we want to be in the room we don't want the seat at the table we want to just be in the room yeah because the seat at the table will happen right that's like it will happen naturally if people are if, if we're in the room and right they're listening and That's they're listening. the thing. Yeah, exactly. And, if they're not listening, it's just hot air. Well, and you know what? It, everything that you were just saying, and and I, you'll probably remember this when I mention it, but everything that you're just saying totally brings me back to an article that I read this week. And I had made a comment about it on, on LinkedIn um, about Apple pushing yes. back on remote work. Yes. Right? And so- for example, this is this is an example of how 
they can actually foster their teams being their authentic selves at work, how remote work can, because one, things are changing. Remote work was already on the rise prior to COVID even happening to begin with. The only thing that I can say COVID did was kind of sped it up to give companies the opportunity to see, hey, teams can be productive and they can be innovative with remote work. And if you think about it, Remote work allows people flexibility, right? For their outside lives, not just work, which is, which is 90% of their authentic self work and, and should increase, be 10%. Right. And all that stuff right, that we talk about outside of work that creates 90% of the stress that we feel while we're at work. Yeah, exactly. Because we're not able to juggle both or be in both places at yeah. the same time. Right. Like if my your dog, parents, if yeah, your, your dog, parents, right. whatever your dog, my dog yeah. had surgery this week. Right. And in between meetings, I'm like, okay, you know, I had to like, got to take care of her, but then I get back online and I'm having a meeting. Oh, I can give her her meds. Like all those things. I didn't have to take off time for work to handle that. Right. Yeah. Or excuse me. Like if, you know, one of the kids has to has, has a doctor's appointment, those types of things, just allowing people, I always say the space and the grace to do their best work. Right. Absolutely. And it's it's so interesting you say just that comment there, because I had this situation last week where by Friday, I was so exhausted. I was done. And it wasn't because of just work. It was just a busy week between coming back from a leadership meeting in Boise between and catching up with work there, you know, between my taking my son for passport appointments and his driver's license, his birthday, birthday. then going to take his driver's test, then getting, you know, it was like one thing after the other. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, plus all the work, we're doing all this important work at work. Right. And we're working on this amazing initiative on, I'm not going to spill the beans as to what it is. Anyways, amazing initiative. (laughs) You can Um, tell me offline. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm having here trying to juggle getting my son to his driver's test, being present in this call, knowing that I can't be present in the call like I want to be present and knowing that I can't be present for my son like I want to be present. I found myself so torn. Yeah, Yeah. so torn. And on Friday, I was talking to my CEO and I was like, I was like, I'm just tired. And I just realized I'm not, I can't continue to be superwoman all the time. I can't, I have to say no to things. And, and I realized that it was my past work relationships that I'd had that I felt so guilty saying no to this important initiative because I wanted to go to my, see my, take my son to get his driver's test. Yeah. And he told me, he's like, don't ever feel like that. You can't say no to something because you've got something going on in your personal life. And, see, and, that's and allowing a great that grace, right? That space. Yeah. And that the grace. grace to be able to say, time out. I can't, I can't be here. I'm here in spirit. I can't be here. I need to focus on something else yeah. so that I can give you my hundred percent attention the next day. Yeah. Right. And that's the important thing. Like anybody can give someone space, right? They can say, oh yeah, take the time. Right. But grace the is grace. something different. Grace yeah. is understanding yeah. that they need that time right. and understanding and trusting that they will still deliver on what, what, you know, they're expected to deliver on. Right. Right. But you're giving them that flexibility to do it. And so, and that's, what's so important is I think like if more companies embrace kind of that philosophy, 
and invested in their people. Like it's crazy. I was trying to think of like, how do we quantify like what we do? And it's like companies, you know, they either build and deliver a service or a product. And I kind of look at myself and our roles, like we, we build and we help people deliver on those products and services. You know what I mean? Like businesses tend to be so focused on the product and the service, but they don't put enough emphasis on their people. And that's what made me think about Apple. And, and that's why I said, I was like, you know, you don't have anything if you don't have your people, you can't do it alone, you know? And no matter if you're a small startup company or you're a large multi-billion dollar organization, you're absolutely nothing without your people. And so I know it's you really think challenging. Apple's products are going to be as innovative as they are with so many pissed off people. No, they're going to have a mass exodus of people. I mean, hey. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Google and other companies will be like, come on our way, AWS. Like, yep, come on, we'll take you. Like all these companies, right? Because um, it, it's people are, they're now, they're now realizing that they can say no. That's the thing. Like, you've, you know, we've always been ingrained and you just made, made that comment. Like you felt like you couldn't say no. And I think now more and more people are realizing they can say no mm-hmm. to companies that they don't feel like they can be their authentic self at, at companies that are not helping their personal growth that, you know, at companies that um, just don't bring them joy in their work. Absolutely. And, it, and now you're always going to have some people where they're like, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. And it's like, I still have that. Sorry. I still have that philosophy of like, suck it up, buttercup. It's a job. They don't call it, go, you're going to fun. They call it, you're going to work. You still have to work. Right. And yeah. some things like, do you just, just let it be a duck, let it roll off your back. But, um, but there are legitimate concerns, you know, with people treating or companies treating people like, what's the best word, best way to put it, chewing them up and spitting them out, right? They're not mm-hmm. valuing the people. They're churn, the burn and churn. Yeah. Or the turn and churn. Churn and burn. Yeah. Churn and time. burn. <laughs> yeah. So that's our yeah. two cents. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about this, you know, like all of our topics for forever. We can. Um, so let's see. I always try to give a challenge. Um, What's the challenge going to be this time? Challenge one, we have a poll going right now on LinkedIn. So for those of people, those of you that are listening, it's going to be going for, you know, at least about a week. Um, It's asking about um, if you can be your authentic self at work. We'd love it if you actually went in and commented on it um, or just at least voted. Um, Yeah. If you want to share your comments, it's even better. I think I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear like, if anybody does respond to that poll, what has their organization done Absolutely. to make them feel like they are able to be their authentic self? Because yeah. again, you, you and I may have totally different experiences and yeah, we may we suggest different things as to like what we think would work. Well, cause it's based on our, our experience. Cause it's based on us. Right. Yeah. But I think it'd be really awesome to see who what else and who else brings other ideas and suggestions as to like, what can you do as an organization 
to be your authentic self. Yeah. And what, what companies have been doing that's been helpful. I, I would love to have some thought leadership on that and I would welcome those discussions and we can have them on the show. Absolutely. And the other challenge I have Uh-oh. is uh, for the lovely lady who commented on your post about the ageism, I challenge her, please reach out to us because we want to yeah. have, we want to have the, we want to carry on the discussion um, because clearly she has a point of view and this is, and in what we said triggered her um, and we're all about trying to have just healthy conversations um, and we're gentle. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're this not, is going, not as yeah. spirited and as angry yeah. as we get. So. Exactly. And so um, really it's about having just really good conversation and like what companies can do better. Um, and we welcome all different heads in the mix, you know, more than two heads, right? We always yes. say two heads are better than one. Well, we say, That's Hey, right. multiple heads are even better than that. So and you know what? And it's always a learning experience. You can always learn from somebody else's perspective or their experience and be like, okay, I, I see it now and I can understand. And, and again, it goes back to, we're not experts in, in, in saying that we know well, what's on. best. We're pretty good at what we do, but we're, we're definitely, good at what we do. but we're definitely always willing and open to learning more. That's what I mean. I say what I'm at, what I'm saying, like, I am not the the person who's going to be the surgeon that's going through like the number one surgeon in the world. Nope. Right. Yep. Cause I know I can be, there's so much more I can learn. Absolutely. And that's why I'm saying I'm not the expert because I can always learn be more and be better. Well, that's I know, the whole I know goal. we're good. I know we're good. I know we're good yeah. as shit, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we can always- it's because we have passion about our jobs. That's why. We're good yes. because we have passion and because we do our best to listen, but we are not infallible and nope. we have made mistakes and we will make more mistakes, but yep. we might say things that are wrong. We will say things that are wrong. <laughs> yes. That's not might. That's well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't know that if it's wrong, it, it might be right at the time when we say it for ourselves, but not, you know, we're going to say stuff that's not going to make people happy. Um, yes. Well, that's the whole point of why we started this, right? Yeah. But uncomfortable same... conversations in a safe space. And this yeah. is what this is an uncomfortable conversation in a safe space. Yeah. And speaking of uncomfortable conversations in a safe space, oh, what's coming on? <laughs> so you had another date. I think we're in a new podcast. <laughs> come on i'm married and i'm not interested in dating so but i'm totally interested in your love life so. <laughs> no it's it's super I'm happy in mine <laughs> um i know yeah, you can't you know, share I've, too much deets because of his job but right but it's been interesting because it's 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 someone who i've never i've never considered talking to somebody that follows this line of profession nothing illegal no he's totally on the up and up guys he's got a he does have a very tough job and but uh, yeah but i may not see eye to eye on what he does and and so i struggle sometimes with you know as we're having conversations about you know work and what do you do and stuff like that it's like ooh. 
some of it hits a little close to home and I don't know how, how to handle that. How to but, compartmentalize that. Yeah. And comp- yeah, exactly. I can't even say the word right now. And so we've had some interesting chats about it and, and, and I, and I think about the fact that maybe not everybody is comfortable with what I do, or maybe not everybody had I been working for a, say I was still working for the, for the brewery and I met somebody who, you know, as a recovering alcoholic, would they be comfortable with what I'm doing? You know, would yeah. they be comfortable with where I'm working? Um, and so I just kind of, I'm trying to think about it in that context. And, and obviously it's super early, so nothing, you know, we don't, <laughs> there's no, there's no, you know, vision as to like where this is going, but it's, it's just been an interesting conversation because I've never talked to somebody where I've been like, oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with where your, what your profession is. Yeah. And and even though you might be a, a great person, am I comfortable with that? And if, am I going to be okay with that if this were to go into something long-term, right? Well, um, ask yourself though, since like the topic we're talking about, authentic self, right. right? How much of his job defines him? Right? And, that's, and we've had these interesting conversations because yeah. for example, um, in Portland, uh, the mayor decided to, I think it was last week, decided that, or sent out that a, it was no longer legal for police to stop anyone who has, um, you know, a expired tags or. Um, yeah, they weren't, I read that they're not going to yeah. be um, doing like yeah. minor traffic infraction yeah. stops or things like that. And so, so here we go. So this, so he's in law enforcement. So I was like asking him, I'm like, he sent it to me and I was like, so how does that make you feel, you know, mm-hmm. from your profession side of things? And so he went through and gave me his thoughts on how it, how it made him feel from a professional side of things. But then he's also black and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, but you know, the majority of the stops that happen are men of, are people of, are people of color, not men of yeah. color, but people of color traditionally. Right. Oh, yeah. And this is trying to solve the issue of um, how it impacts people of color in the stops and, you know, we'll, We'll say black men, majority are the ones that end up um, on the well on the and, negative side of things, right? On well, the bad in, side of things, in Portland, right? it's any person of color because like we moved here and so Kathy never had been like pulled over anything since we moved here. She's been pulled over twice. Right. It's it's any person of color. And yeah. and and again, and so I said, so okay, so now number one is so being that you're in law enforcement, how would you fix it? Right? Mm-hmm. And then if you're a black man, how do you feel about it? Because those are two different things. One's your yeah. job, right? And one's, and one's how you and feel. And one's who you are. Your personal, yeah. Your personal. And, and, it, and I can't even imagine from that perspective, are you, as an individual, are you then torn as well by what you do and who you are, right? Um, and so it's just been interesting conversations from that standpoint. And, um, and obviously look forward to kind of hearing how that like hearing how what his, his thoughts are on this whole Portland thing as well and um and everything but anyway well I think that if you like him and things are going well job <laughs> is a job and you got to give this guy a chance and bring the guy over for happy hour so I can meet him <laughs> well don't worry I gave him our podcast I said so yeah. You know, this is where, this is my stance on things. Just so you know, FYI, this is what, as, yeah, this I is mean, my authentic self right here. 
So growing up in a military family and as someone who was going to go into the FBI, I am very pro military and I'm very pro police. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's so like I said, it's not it's not like, um, yeah, anyhow. But no, I understand that can be a challenge, right? That all plays into actually all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. Yeah. So it's it's how much of a, or yourself and your authentic self can you bring not just to work, but, but even within relationships. Right. Yep. It, it exactly. comes in everywhere. In, um, and how much do you bring in at a particular time, like within yeah. that relationship? So. Right. Right. But, but did you have fun? Yeah. No, it was like it's, you know, good conversations and everything like that. So it's it's been good. But again, it's like always that that still sits in the back of my mind and I'm trying to let it go and I'm just struggling a little bit with it. Hey, it's legit. It's totally understandable. And it's not the fact that it's law enforcement. It's just the kind, the, the right? nature of the nature the, of it. Yeah, yeah. Of the agency. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get it. All right. Anyway. See, that wasn't so uncomfortable, was it? <laughs> Until he <laughs> listens. <laughs> then it might get a little bit more uncomfortable. No, uh, it'll so. be fine. You know what? It's practice for having those tough conversations. Cause sometimes we're going to have like, I'm sure we're going to have really tough guests. I'm hoping that we will have some guests that like, you know, have some strong opinions because that's how we all grow. Right. Yeah. And even this right now, like, you know, we have our work stuff that we engage in daily and we learn something new every day. You know, when projects go awry, like I had this week, we learn something from it. Right. When you go on a date and you're like, wow, this is awesome here, here, and here, but there's this piece here. I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. You learn something about yourself and you learn something about, you know, how to move forward in a good way. So that's all we can do, right? All we can do. And I would have to say, you know, with doing the podcast, I think personally it's allowed me to kind of take a look at myself internally a little bit more than I would have probably been doing today. Like, yeah. Had this been, you know, six months ago or a year ago, I probably would be a little less in tune with myself as I am now, because I'm starting to pay attention a lot more to who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is from this. And then a lot of it is also just work, right? My role, my, the people I work with, and then adding the podcast to it has just kind of. I can see myself a little bit evolving and it's just an interesting journey to be on. Yeah. I'm glad that we're on it together. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, well that's, that's a wrap. That's, that's a wrap until next time. Don't we remember, thank you. Remember not about the seat at the table. It's about sitting Fill in the room. The room. So, yes. Yep. All righty. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.